Welcome to another episode of The Deep Dive. We are in our second to last uh, installment in our Acts, uh, The Church the World Needs series. Uh, my name is Brad. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Calvary, joined by Dan Borth, who's about to leave us for a few weeks on sabbatical. About to wander out, going on a walkabout. Nice. Um, so anyway, we have one more after this where uh, Paul will join me as we wrap up the last several chapters uh, in Acts. But this one, we're going back to a couple weeks ago. Uh, I preached on Acts chapter 20. And so just to give kind of a high-level overview, if you remember, Paul, he is on his third missionary journey. So um, this series has been interesting because it hasn't been a true like expository series where we've gone verse by verse through the entire book of Acts, but we've covered, I mean, a big chunk of the yeah. heartbeat and the movements. It's of been Acts. like a helicopter tour, like we've up, oh, that's a good, over, down. Well, that's a up, great illustration. Over, down. Yeah. yeah, and so you know, focusing on particular passages or particular yeah. moments, um, really just considering the question: Hey, what kind of church does the world need, and what can we learn from uh, the early ch- uh, church, and then you know, specifically Paul's movements uh, in the second half of the series. And so he's on his third missionary journey. Now, the first missionary journey was was truly, a, you know, he'd go, he'd spend, you know, a couple weeks somewhere, he'd move on to another place. And it was the first time the church really sent, you know, strategically sent missionaries to places where churches uh, didn't exist with for the purpose of sharing the gospel, uh, trying to get something organized together with anyone who would respond, and then moving on to the next Second missionary journey, you know, he ends up visiting a lot of the places he had gone in the first, but spent more time. Um, so there's more more training, more leadership development, more, hey, this is what the church is, more theological development. We get out of those relationships, we get a lot of the letters of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the third missionary journey, uh, again, very, very similar. Um, more time. Uh, actually, Paul, uh, Paul, our interim lead pastor, Paul, uh, describes uh, the second and third missionary journey more as uh, campaigns than, mm. like, mission trips. So, um, yeah, so now we're in the third missionary journey. Paul is working his way towards Jerusalem, and um, he's at this place in Asia called Miletus with uh, Ephesus. You know, he had just he had spent considerable time at Ephesus on his both his previous two trips. Ephesus is like modern day Turkey, yeah, kind of toward yeah, the coast. and Miletus yeah. too, right? And so Ephesus really isn't too far. The reason that um, matters is because he calls all the elders from Ephesus to come visit him in Miletus, which is interesting because he had recently been at Ephesus. So it's kind of an interesting like, hey Paul, you couldn't have done this while you were there, but. Uh, anyway, <laughs> he had reasons, I'm sure. Uh, so in Acts chapter 20, he's in Miletus. He calls the uh, Ephesian church leaders to him, um, and he just has kind of some departing uh, departing words for them. Uh, he shares his example um, of, what, um, of how he led when he was with them. Uh, he says, hey, remember how I was with you, how I was among you, how I did not uh, shrink from... Uh, declaring the yeah. whole counsel of God, uh, which I love that that image of not shrinking from from that. Yeah, it it's important that we hear Paul mm-hmm. when he talks about uh, character and presence. Yes, um, I think sometimes uh, for me, because I've understood that the scriptures are the inspired word of God, mm-hmm. like, 
from an early age, sometimes I have con- tried to read those words as something other than human. Mm. Um, but now, and maybe it's age, maybe it's something else, maybe it's just sitting with it, maybe it's just what God wants me to see right now. But yeah. I think what Paul is saying in very human and <coughs> practical ways, Yeah, um, I've been among you with the right frame of mind, with the right heart, um, and he, t- he talks about that in other places where he says, you know, look, I, I wasn't here for gain. I was mm-hmm. here because I wanted you to know mm-hmm. this good news. Uh, we see it when he talks about, like, uh, so these elders are coming to him. Well, when he talks about the qualifications for elders, the list is not that long of mm-hmm. what a qualification mm-hmm. is. It's people who know the good news, who are present, who have good, good uh, uh, are above reproach, mm-hmm. to use that phrase. And he, it sounds like he uses the same test for himself. Like mm-hmm. he's saying, essentially, um, "You know me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. I want to pause here because a lot of what you know Paul is known for is the writings in the New Testament, and a lot of his writings are, you know, they're letters, so they're responding to particular um, circumstances, situations, or he's responding to per, to particular. Um, false teachings or yeah. um, he's you know constantly reminding them essentially of hey this is what the gospel is and this is what yeah. it looks like played out in all of these various places yeah. um, the way he forms arguments it's very uh, polemic very um, like here's a point here's another point here's another point and yet so much of the Bible is like what we find in Acts which is just a, a narrative a story so when I was uh, preparing to preach I you know, we we had identified. Okay, well, what are some what are some things we want to draw out of this section? And I think, like in our teaching team, we talked. Okay, leadership serves. Let's talk about eldership. Let's talk about uh, the way we lead. And and that's definitely in the focus here. Like it's not not in the focus here. And yet, it's not just like Paul doesn't give us a bulleted list of here's what elders need to do. Um, he reflects on the story that he's been part of yep. and their experiences with him. Yep. So I do think as we read scripture, uh, we um, like systematic theology matters and how we pull that from the text, but also like the, the way we uh, like ride the wave, if you will, of the story yep. also matters. Has, are you aware of anyone who like academically has done like a systematic narrative or a narrative systematic uh, theological I'm and not. I think that would be yeah wonderful. Yeah, I I know that like maybe I'll go back to school. Uh, well, Sinclair Ferguson did a you know he wrote that book. He gave us stories. Yeah. Now a lot of that was the like the Old Testament stories, yeah. but it, the idea was how do we read story and how do we let story yes shape us. Um, yeah, even at Covenant Seminary, they recently had changed their the name of their systematic theology department to missional theology because um, I think they wanted to get away from the I don't know there's a, an image that systematic theology the calculus has. of theology yeah, yeah um, that makes sense and but it but it was so like I guess confusing to people that they <laughs> they've I think changed it again but oh they did yeah they oh, went man. back to um, so, yeah. so anyway so so Paul is in uh, he's in Miletus um, he recalls the way he led among um the church at Ephesus, among the leaders, among the overseers. Uh, then he tells them what he, you know, feels that the, actually that that's that's saying it too lightly. 
uh, he, he uses the phrase, he's constrained by the Spirit. Um, he feels very strongly that he needs to go to, uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, now, he also knows that, like, what awaits for him in Jerusalem, like, is probably going to be hard. Um, that's a lot of Paul's story. And the Spirit, I guess, has told him, hey, wherever you go, you're going to experience hardship. Um, and yet, he displays just an incredible trust in the Spirit uh, to continue and, you know, follow the Spirit and go where the Spirit calls him. Uh, I think there's some—I didn't, I didn't really talk about this uh, in, the, in the sermon, but the parallel with— like when Jesus um, in his ministry turns his face towards Jerusalem, mm-hmm. um, he had kind of avoided Jerusalem. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and there's this resolve, like he knows what's going to f- face him when he yeah. gets there and, you know, dutifully goes. I, yeah. I think there's a, a strong parallel mm-hmm. there between Paul and, and Jesus um, in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned earlier our Paul liking mm-hmm. the the term campaign for this missionary journey yeah um it brings back i, I don't know if you ever played risk brad oh um, yeah. and did i play all I mean, all the time the man yeah so uh if you've ever played risk you know the, the ideal is to have more troops you know trying to invade a country with less troops but in my mind the image i have for this and what paul says about going mm-hmm. to where he's going mm-hmm. the trials it's like attacking a country full of soldiers with one mm-hmm. on yours mm-hmm. and like you're gonna roll that dice like 15 times just to <laughs> oh that's awesome chisel away that's awesome so i i think campaign works yes i, I like that i yes. like that image yes and we you know we know the story like when paul gets there he's arrested at the temple and yeah. um yeah, it doesn't take long. No, for all of the like afflictions no. to like, but it was the yeah. it was through the arrest actually yeah. that he reached his goal. Mm-hmm. Like you want to talk about God using weakness? Oh my goodness! Like Paul didn't make it far. Yeah, but because of that, he made it as far as he intended. Yeah. To. Well, same thing. I mean, we're gonna hit on this a bit next week um, or the next episode, but like the same thing with Rome. Like, he has this, this he wants to go to Rome. Do you, I just had a thought. Yeah. I'm sure someone somewhere has said this or written it, and it's just never sank in. But in the in the Luke-Acts narrative, mm-hmm. like, Jesus is king. His mm-hmm. disciples want him to be king, but he, he ascends to heaven. He's not there. He sends his, his followers with the gospel, which is the good news announcement that Jesus mm-hmm. is Messiah, Savior, King. Mm-hmm. And what's the what's the importance? What's the brilliance of Paul making it to Rome? Um, I think I always thought about well, it's because people in Rome believed. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the way the the story goes and where it ends, why why does Acts end where it does is a major question in the text of Acts. The story ends with him telling like very high officials proclaiming the good news announcement. And mm-hmm. I wonder, I wonder if in some of the theology of Luke and Acts if if um, it's showing us like not that Jesus is seated on the throne of the mm-hmm. empire but that the good news announcement mm-hmm. that the king is Jesus mm-hmm. that the the empire mm-hmm. there's one greater than mm-hmm. the empire mm-hmm. makes it all the way to mm-hmm. Rome to the throne mm-hmm. uh, uh, in, in Rome and that's where the story ends mm-hmm. the good news made it yeah, and we have to remember the good news isn't the ABCs of salvation. The right. good news is that Jesus is Jesus is King. Lord. Yeah. yeah, 
That's good. Yeah, I, I do think, um, and this is again where you know God knew what He was doing, right? Paul was uh, perfectly designed to be the missionary to the Gentiles, even to the level that, as a Roman citizen, he could appeal yep. anything all the way to the highest level, which is to Caesar. Yep. And so, in doing so, yeah, he's in prison, and while in prison, he writes letters, the prison letters, and then he gets to go and appeal his case before before Caesar. Yep. Um, and then he sets his sights on Spain. So the dude doesn't sleep, apparently. Uh, and we don't know if he ever made it to Spain. No, but he didn't have social media, <laughs> so he wasn't scrolling. That's totally fair. Responding and getting pulled in all sorts of directions. Oh, that's totally fair. Um, so anyway, back to Acts chapter 20. So that's the second kind of part of, of chapter 20. And then uh, he has this this direct instructions for the Ephesian leaders um, while he um, when he leaves, because... That's like they're it, you know. He's not going to see him again. There's great affection that is displayed uh, that he has for them. They have for him, and uh, they even see him off to the ship, which is just kind of a a, a really just beautiful, um, a beautiful image. But there was something he, I wanted to. He yeah. has a reason mm-hmm. for giving them these these things. Like I know that after my departure, fierce fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Mm-hmm. Paul experienced that in his campaign every time. Mm-hmm. You know, to use the risk analogy again, every time he occupied a new place, somebody was coming for the territory he mm-hmm. just gained. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Again, the character, the presence, the the things that elders are called to mm-hmm. is about care for the church yep. to guard the good deposit. You know, yeah. of this good news proclamation. Yeah, it's not really about like when we use the word leadership. I think we're right, mm-hmm. but I do think we always want to temper that mm. with what is leadership in the church leadership in the church is keeping clear the message yeah oh, and, that, and that's and that's great like that's the i don't know i think about um our own church i think about church growth movement 90s early 2000s um whoa, whoa. the way yeah the way the church leadership structure is designed is definitely not the most efficient thing mm um, like it really isn't like if, if you wanted it to be efficient, you'd have a board of directors, you'd have people in paid staff positions leading everything, organizing processes, programs, ministry. Right. Um, and yet the leadership that God has, um, ordained for, for a church is a, it's a leadership of, of shepherding and care and presence. And it's been cool over the last year to see our our church and our elders intentionally take a, a step a direction in that yeah. um because that's where life change happens that's where transformation yeah. happens that's where um you know this whole like spiritual dynamic that we're and we're gonna talk about that over in a, a series coming up on the holy spirit but like this idea that paul had that like it's not a hey get the system to a point and then leave and know that it's going to stay in that space. Like he's very aware of the wolves and yep. the cracks and the ways that the enemy is going to come in yep. and seek to undo the work um, that God has has done through Paul. Um, there. Interestingly, that kind of commitment can actually weather like cultural change. Yeah, pretty well. Yeah, because you're not you're not redesigning a system because the world around you mm-hmm. changed. You're you're still living mm-hmm. with character and relationship, and you can do that in every age, every place. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
So we get to verse 28. Uh, Paul, um, he says this. He says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So in studying this, um, this is where um, we, we, we've come back to this a few different times in a few different episodes on like, hey, how do we get the Bible and how do we get the, the words that we read in English? Yep. Like, how can we know that these were the words that were originally written and, and talked about? And, um, and here, the, um, the way the, the Greek reads, uh, it actually reads kind of in a, in a literal way like this. Pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock, in which you, the Spirit, the Holy One, has made overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with the blood of his own. And so there's some early manuscripts. Um, as you're reading your Bible, uh, you might come across a little a footnote from time to time that'll say, uh, some early manuscripts do not include this word, or some early manuscripts will say this. Or in, like instead. John 8, where it says some early manuscripts don't have verses like don't, 1 through 11. Right. Like, yes. Right. Yes. So, like, as readers, what do we what do we do with this? Well, this is one of those examples. Freak um, out, go to Reddit, and then have a long, despairing... <laughs> don't day. believe any, you know, say that discredits the entirety of uh, what we read. So, this is just a, a really good example of a lot of times in Scripture, when there are changes made, um, they're, they're, very, they're very minor May I ones. pause? Go for Put it. Put a footnote there. Yes. Uh, changes made mm-hmm. is um, something that is... Uh, that, that sounds manipulative. Yeah, I probably didn't say that it's well. A, no, it's, it's yeah. a, you said it well. I just mm-hmm. want to double-click for the sake of everyone mm-hmm. uh, listening. Um, changes made are observable differences mm-hmm. between strands of um, uh, copies mm-hmm. of the text that we have yep. that go back, uh, you know, of, gosh, all the way to 200 A.D. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we have fragments of things from... The early mm-hmm. 100 AD, yep. like we, so we 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 have uh, when I say strands, um, you just remember, you know, in the ancient uh, world, like mm-hmm. uh, this is not global communication. There's not efficient postal service. There's so um, there was like a, a Latin translation mm-hmm. that you could follow both through time and geography, kind of mm-hmm. where that went. You mm-hmm. have Greek translations, time and geography. Yep. On and on. Anyway, so when you say changes, yep. you're not meaning like, oh, we look back and we see that somebody sat down and said, I don't like it this yep. way. What we're saying is in the uh, the um, like in the actual process of just old school copy and paste, which was if yeah, we're how- going to copy something, Peter's yeah. here with us, Peter would be reading the text uh-huh. and we would be writing and it. And be dictating it, yes. And sometimes things did morph because yeah. of the nature of human uh, well or think if you're reading you know if you're reading how many times have you you know, you've been reading something and then you read the line again but it was the same thing you just read because your eye didn't jump to the right place on the page it went back and read the same thing oh right? you're talking about is that haplography uh, yeah there's all these yeah formal words for the kinds of mistakes that the happen. kinds of mistakes yeah. yes so, so changes yes are real yes however we need to be careful not to assume intent yep um unless intent is clear yep and uh anyway that's just part of the art and science of understanding the text that we have, this highly accurate to the originals Mm -hmm. text that Mm -hmm. we have. So that being said, though, there there were times when some intentional changes were made. And this is one of those um, where 
the and again the early manuscripts uh, you you had a group of scribes um, who maybe thought that the copy that they had received might have uh, mm -hmm. been unclear mm -hmm. and maybe had been changed through the process of yes. uh, mistake or through the process this of, would have been the reformed scribes yeah, yeah. omitted something and so there were times this is one of the fewest um, occurrences uh, you know most yeah. of them are, are typos they're yeah. those types of things but they did make a, a, a change and uh, the footnote says early manuscripts because through the process of what's called textual criticism, so the process of gathering all the different manuscripts, all the different variations that we have, um, you know, you can actually trace back and see, hey, when did, uh, when did a particular word? Um, when did a change? When come did into the when did a change yeah. come into the system? It's not unlike, uh, like, I, from what I understand of like computer coding and that, mm -hmm. like. People who do coding, they, they find where the lines of code have mm -hmm. been changed, disrupted, yep. so that they can understand, like, yep. okay, this is the effect of that. Yep. So, um, in this in this verse, right, it says, pay careful, uh, the original, pay, uh, well, the original, the ESV, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Um, there's a couple of different ways that you can, we can read this. Now, um, you have the the last part of the phrase referring to the blood of Christ poured out, right, and his atoning death. Um, the reference to God in the first part of this phrase most likely is a reference to Christ as the head of the church. So in saying the church of God, um, we can interpret this as um, not necessarily the church of God the Father, but this is church the God, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, so God the Son. Um very a very clear way, especially with mm -hmm. the connection to the blood, you know, Christ's blood on the cross and the atonement that that um, that brings. Another um, way, though, to to understand it would be um, like uh, the second half of it, where because the the way the Greek reads, it doesn't say the blood of his own son; it just says the blood of his own. Mm -hmm. And so, one of the the changes that scribes so is it his own blood or mm -hmm. the blood of his own where own is a noun correct not a modifier. Yeah. correct okay. and so one of the so what scribes did to kind of correct this like because the the meaning of the text appears quite clear mm -hmm. like christ is the head of the church god who is you know this triune god um christ's atoning blood and work on the cross um the meaning is clear and so what scribes did was actually in some manuscripts, they changed it to say the church of the Lord instead mm -hmm. of the church of the God, just to make it clear that what was in focus was second person of the Trinity. So if the, the last phrase mm -hmm. is by his own blood, it mm -hmm. makes more sense that it's the church of, of the Lord. The Lord, who in other places throughout Scripture is referred to as the head of the church. But like in my translation here, it says... Church of God, which he obtained. Well, actually, here it says with his own blood because mm -hmm. it's leaning on Trinitarian understanding. Yes, yes. And it sounds like some of the changes that we see in the old texts yep. or the old manuscripts were blood of his own. Yep. So that it refers to Christ. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so not malicious. It was more of like someone thought it needed clarity. This needs some clarity along the way. Now, yeah. through the process of again acquiring, assembling the different manuscripts. Um, as the Bible was was being compiled, they went back to the earliest manuscripts, um, which is why we have the reading that we have and why we have the conversation that we have.
that's a, a healthy reminder of we always want to be humble mm-hmm. about how much we know. And mm-hmm. a good principle in interpretation is, uh, you know, about closed hand, open hand mm-hmm. uh, doctrines. Absolutely. Closed hand, this is core of Christianity. Open hand, like, eh, Christians can take different approaches on yeah. this. So an example of an open hand, right? Christ is going to return. Like, closed hand, Christ is going to return. Yes. Open hand, when is he going to return? Yes. And how is he going to return? And all of those. And right. can that be turned into a movie? Like, yes, open hand. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I tease. Yes. Um, the uh, So we probably don't want to build closed hand doctrines uh-huh. off of single word theologies. Exactly. And yet we want to take the Bible seriously enough that every single word does matter. Yep. But we're always going to keep in mind the larger context and we're going to be very uh, diligent. Yep. To consider like all of Scripture at the same time, um, and and just be careful not to like blame a, a thought, a position, or something on mm-hmm. one word in one place. Yes, so. no, that's so good. So apologetically, um, where I think this is important, um, just building off of that, you have um, you have people that are saying that'll say that uh, the Bible um, was put together uh, to promote a particular narrative and anything that was outside of that was was thrown away or was changed to conform to that narrative kind of like a wikipedia page is built Mm -hmm. like somebody has interest in a topic a subject Mm -hmm. and they start adding in i think Mm -hmm. sometimes that accusation Mm -hmm. about scripture is that Mm -hmm. uh, well it was people who wanted to get this message across and they just kept adding their narrative until we had the this text yep but i think that why this conversation matters, um, and why, and one of the things I just appreciate about the even the clarity of the the English translations that were that we read, because they include footnotes, because they're very open about the process yes. um, by by which the Bible was was assembled. Um, yes. It's not a hey, we're gonna go and get into a closed room and have a discussion, and hey, which which one do we think is right, and which one promotes you know our power dynamics or our way of viewing the world in a way that's going to yeah. do what we want it to do. Um, it was, no, hey, here's the process. We want to be very um, mindful of, hey, this is if this is God's word to us, we want it to be as accurate as possible. Of course. But we also recognize that because uh, a long period of time and because people have been involved, there's going to be fractures within yeah. that. So can we at least put that on paper and put yeah. it in front of the community um, and have no one single person do it yeah um so anyway yeah that's that rings true um i i'm familiar with you know church history when marcion was it was Mm -hmm. challenging like hey should what books should be Mm -hmm. part of the bible and there was a council and and i understand like i i have sympathy for opponents to christianity who would say ah that was just a power dynamic Mm -hmm. and the authorities did what the authorities are going to do um but i've never encountered that at least in the history that's Mm -hmm. Um, that I'm aware of, it was they took the question very seriously. And I think that's really important that, like, Christianity continues to be a responsive mm-hmm. faith, not a reactionary one. Mm-hmm. It's not about silencing or whatever, but uh, the nature of faith in Christ, the nature of our scriptures have always invited questions mm-hmm. of, well, why is this mm-hmm. authority? Like, but I, I just never seen a reason for Christian faith to be closed, cut off uncomfortable with questions mm-hmm. that it's kind of open and I, in that first council it did again it like they did come to a conclusion i i guess mm-hmm. maybe we live in a conclusion decision averse culture yeah yeah 
but they didn't come to that conclusion um, just to prove a point. They mm-hmm. came to the conclusion because the question, mm-hmm. what is this text, what's mm-hmm. valid in it, like, mm-hmm. was really meaningful. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's different than, like, uh, like oh, maybe it's similar to Wikipedia in that way. Like, people keep refining it. That impulse, I think, is here. It, the difference is, yeah. like, no one just said, oh, what do we want to write yep. about this? It was, well, we have these letters from this place, and, like, does this have an apostolic origin? Mm-hmm. Is this consistent with the good news? Like, mm-hmm. there were tests that, that yeah. were applied that brought us to the canon of Scripture that we have, yeah. and yeah, those continue today when we consider these things like textual mm-hmm. criticism. Yep. That. And, you know, maybe just to put a bookend on it, the... Um, with any of the variants, with any of the the differences that we find in this, you know, vast array of manuscripts we have of, um, you know, of scripture, the 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 theology, the meaning, the content um, is 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 still quite clear, um, even in either reading. Yeah. That that the work of Jesus, what he has done on the cross, uh, has was effective and sufficient. Um, he is the head of the church, and because of that, the way we lead in the church truly matters. 100%. So, well, um, that's good conversation. Thank you, Dan, for, for joining. Uh, we're going to be uh, finishing up the book of Acts in our next installment, going through just kind of a, a high-level overview of what happens from chapters uh, 21 through 28. And uh, Paul uh, will be joining me, not the Apostle Paul, the interim lead pastor, Paul. And uh, then we'll um, go into our next series, which I'm really excited about. We're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. And um, it's called Pneuma because that's the Greek word for um, spirit. So anyway, thank you for joining us. Um, As we want to say, keep your Bible open um, because Jesus matters most. You can find this uh, episode on our website, calvary.church slash resources, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please like, subscribe, uh, throw some comments in the chat. Uh, If you have any questions or any topics that you want to see focused on in a future episode, um, you can always email us at podcast at calvary.church. We'll catch you next time on The Deep Dive. Thanks for listening to The Deep Dive, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.